Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt Berry. Or am I? <gasps> oh, it's not me. The sun is changing my face. So I'm actually Liam Neeson. Very handsome 90s Liam Neeson. Yeah, young 90s Liam Neeson. <laughs> Pre-Schindler's List Liam Neeson. This is still his rom-com days before he was an action star. This is like his first action movie. Yeah. So you can ha- so if you like Taken, you can thank Darkman. Yeah. Which Sam we're covering Raimi's today Dark is Darkman. Dark yeah. So yes, you said Sam Raimi. He, you may know him. I mean, again, this is for you know the uninitiated. So Sam Raimi uh, is a widely popular horror director. He directed the Evil Dead franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed the original Spider-Man movies with uh, Tobey Maguire. And he is currently um, directing Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. He also has produced a lot of more recent horror movies like Don't Breathe and Crawl. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I forgot he produced Crawl. He he really gets He has some good productions under his belt. Yes. He, Sam Raimi is a testament to to horror transcendence. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, and And we'll get into it, but Sam Raimi also has a habit of like, of using the same people mm-hmm. in in, you know, in different at, projects, at least just a cameo at the, at at the, the very, very least. least. Cameos. Um, I mean, we know the big one at the end of this one is Bruce Campbell because Bruce Campbell's his favorite. Bruce Campbell is like his best buddy. I don't he, think Sam Raimi can make anything with Bruce Campbell not showing up. I so well, I can't no. wait for him to show up in Doctor Strange next year. Well, someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember on April Fool's Day, yeah. he put up that page that's like a. It was like, a fake script yeah, page for Ash that he to just, show that, up. Like, you know, like, uh, Doctor Strange and Wanda, like, show up in a cabin, and Ash comes out with a chainsaw and the Necronomicon, and he's like, <laughs> you guys Deadites? Or something like that. And yeah. They're like, no, we need that book. And he's like, no can do, or something like that. No like, can it, do. I'm like, this is, this should have been real. Because everyone would have lost their shit. Oh, absolutely. I'd love if he was Nightmare. <laughs> if Bruce Campbell <gasps> was Nightmare. That would be cool. Be pretty awesome. Um, I've actually, I bought his, uh, autobiography, uh, a couple months back. So over the, over the summer, I'm definitely going to read that. Yeah. That'd be really uh, interesting. Cause it's called confessions of a B movie, uh, actor. And <laughs> I think this, either the title or the subtitle is if chins could kill. Cause Amazing. he's got, he's got one on him. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is just a lot of gush of Sam Raimi, but like this in itself is, it's 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 post Evil Dead pre, pre Army of Darkness, yeah. which is the so, comedy. Yeah, pre Army of Darkness and obviously pre Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean I don't know a whole lot of Sam Raimi's body of work just off the top of my head, but it seems to me that this is his first like big budget like action movie. Yeah, because I mean we, we were talking like how is this going to be considered action horror, and then the horror elements and then the horror made themselves showed apparent. Up. And then towards the end of the movie, they the action elements made themselves apparent. I mean, yeah. he went from like, boom, 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 big action set piece, big action set piece, big action set piece, end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He really saved his budget for yeah. makeup effects and those, like, the last half hour of the movie. Yeah, the makeup in this movie is so Holy shit. good. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into it because we can talk about our favorite. Uh, One of our favorite, favorite makeup effects artists. Um, so, so before we get into it, uh, you probably like, what the hell's Darkman? 
Just like we were about like we two were. hours ago. Well, and I, <laughs> I, I knew this. Uh, I knew of this movie based on recommendations from last podcast on the left. I also had, you know, like when I just looked up like action horror movies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure we covered some of our bases. Some good ground. This was one of them, and I was like, I kind of like. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know why I thought Johnny Depp was in it. Yeah, like I, I could have. I don't know what I was thinking or like <laughs> where that came from. Because like, um, Johnny Depp hasn't really been in a movie anything like this. I, you know what? He kind of has. His body of work is again is. I mean, he's up there with. Uh, God damn! I mean, I just he's one of those actors that like completely just shapeshifts whenever they yeah, do something. Yeah, that's true. Um, and this is the 90s. This is, this would have been, um, this is like, like right, right around, around Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's a couple years after he was like discovered in, in 21 Nightmare. Jump Street, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it's right before Tim Burton like Snapped picked him, him up and just like, you know, turned him into this like, you know, crazy motherfucker. Yeah. I think, you know what? I think this might have been around the same time as Gilbert Grape. Ooh, that because might be really I know true. that this is right before, or like right around when Leonardo DiCaprio was getting big too. Yeah. This is this came out in 1990. Uh, so it's three years before The Crow, which we'll be covering uh, next Four year. Four years. Four years before. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Technically three years, four years release wise, whatever. Yeah. Um, Which you'll see our episode next week. Yeah, get fucking ready for that, by the way. Ooh. I'm sure you bring your eyeliner and your guitars and your <laughs> your quills. Oh, the quills. Uh, that's not... This doesn't have any place in that movie. Even though this has all of the hallmarks, or at least the set dressings and the, the you know, the script ambience of... of the basic of, you know, concept. It truly feels like... Because, I mean... I guess we can get into it now. Sam Raimi originally, I mean, I feel like he's wanted to make superhero movies for forever. a while. And this is the first time that he did because no one would give him the rights to the spirit or, or Batman. Batman. Well, because at this point, Tim Burton had a lock on Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, and I feel like he was pissed at Tim Burton because yeah. Tim Burton's over here like, what's a comic book? I've never read any of those. And he's <laughs> like, right. fucking kidding me? You don't even know what it's about? <laughs> uh, so he basically was like, I'll just make my own. And he made it also as, like, an ode to Universal monster movies. Yeah, which really um, reads throughout. Very much uh, of the ilk of Invisible Man, Frankenstein, and the original Phantom, Phantom of, of the, the Opera. Opera. And we're talking, like, 1930s silent film Lon Chaney, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, we're not talking stage Not Andrew Lloyd Webber. This, I mean, this is, this predates that. Uh, no, it doesn't. No. Fuck. No, this comes a few years after the fact. Okay, well, Phantom of the Opera has been around for, for a lot like longer a century than longer than it was in the 80s. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> um, and even movie-wise, it was around for, like, decades beforehand. About 50 years yeah, at that so point. It, and it's been... I don't know if you know this, um, but Lon Chaney, who is the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. his son, Lon Chaney Jr., is the Wolfman in The Wolfman. In, like, the 2009 one? No, 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 like, the original Oh, the OG one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit! No, um, fucking, uh... Who's the collector in Guardians of the Galaxies? Oh, Benicio, uh, Benicio Del, Toro. Del Toro? He's the Wolfman in the 2009 one. Okay. Uh, actually, I kind of want to revisit that movie, because I remember it being pretty fucking intense. Cool. Uh, no, but Lon Chaney Jr. is, uh, is the Wolfman. He's the original Wolfman. Oh, that's awesome. Which is pretty sweet, because it Keeping was... it in the family. And, cause, and also, Lon Chaney was also... I mean, if we're talking about horror movies that have been turned into musicals, 
uh, he was also the original um, Quasimodo in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, in, also, yeah. like in 1929 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which Back we will, we, we might cover those movies one day. I, at the very I least, would really like to. I at the very least want to do uh, like comparisons. Like you do Ooh. like a um, you know we could even do like uh, like a Nosferatu uh, versus like Dracula or like. Dracula 19... I don't remember when the first one came out. Like, in 1940s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to, like, Dracula... Like, Bram Stryker's yeah, Dracula Bram Stryker, 2000? The one that, um... Gary Oldman's in? Yeah. Who the fuck directed it? The guy, same oh. guy that made The Godfather made that movie. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm an idiot. Why don't I know this? <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, like... I'm gonna... This is all, like, big film nerd talk. So, like, thank you, audience, for bearing with us. We will get to the movie, I promise. Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola, thank you. Um, anyway, back to Darkman. Darkman is... How... I mean, I would say that those two things being said, how it's it's, it's a, a superhero noir movie meets a universal horror movie, like a universal monster movie horror movie, Meets um, RoboCop. Yeah, <laughs> like, um. it's really. I'm like, this is this is RoboCop. Fuck. Yeah. So before we get too deep into it, I'm gonna give a little. I'm gonna give the little synopsis they have. Of it's here. not going to help you. Oh no, I found, a, I found a little more intricate one. That oh, help you oh, please go by all means. Um, Peyton Westlake, played by Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson. By Liam the way. Neeson um, is a scientist who discovered a way to produce synth- synthetic skin. This could revolutionize skin grafting, except for one minor glitch. The synthetic skin degrades after 100 minutes of exposure to light. When gangsters attack Peyton, he is horrifically burnt and assumed dead. In his quest for revenge, Peyton, a.k.a. the Dark Man, is able to take on the appearance of anyone using the synthetic skin, but he only has 100 minutes per disguise. Hmm. People... Gangsters roughing up a man of means, taking away the thing he loves. Assuming he's dead. Assuming that he's dead, and that man coming back with seemingly supernatural abilities. We've never covered any movie like we'll this We'll never see any movie like this again. We we certainly have, I mean, action horror for us certainly hasn't been women killing monsters or men overcoming, like, horrible circumstances to kill their aggressors. That's Any- not action horror in a fucking little, like... Wrapped up a little fucking walnut there. <laughs> Anyone missing the joke? Check out our crow episode next week. I'm, I was talking upgrade. Oh, that's right too. <laughs> upgrade the crow. This, and then all of our other female-led ones are all that. It's, yep. It's just Celine Ripley and Alice killing monsters, and then you know uh, Peyton Gray and Eric assuming new identities as vigilantes and killing the people that wronged them. Yeah. Man, so, we really did find our niche here. No, well, horror. we found we. I think we've cracked the case of, yeah. of what action horror is at its core. Yeah, it's that or it's zombies, and that's boring. Yeah. This is this. It's charged by the protagonist, mm-hmm. and namely, I think that this movie's charged by its cast, and like as much as it is by the the effects, because this movie yeah. would have been a relatively forgettable, you know, installment of the genre. Because I mean, Sam Raimi for a while there, was single-handedly keeping practical effects alive in horror. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, in the face... <clears throat> sorry. In the face of, uh, like, all the 2000s uh, remakes, there wasn't a whole lot of wide use of practical effects just because they're mm-hmm. like, we've got millions of dollars, why wouldn't we just spend it on CGI? 
And again, I don't necessarily disagree with that all the time. But sometimes. Yeah, but Sam Raimi, you know, he made his first movie for like $200,000 and like 12 people made it in a cabin for like four weeks. Yeah. And they were all broke as fuck. And like had pink eye and like infected wounds that were cold and hungry. And it's become one of the most iconic horror movies. We will cover Evil Dead as a franchise one day. I can't. Each of those movies are perfect in in their own very specific individual ways to the mm-hmm. point where they don't even really feel connected. And I yeah. also, I hope by the point that you've seen at least the first season of Ash vs. Evil, Evil Dead, Dead, because that is its own completely different thing. Okay. And just like every time they make an Evil Dead thing, it's just so different and fantastic. I was like, I, I've really been wanting to rewatch the remake recently. And the I remake just need is to. gnarly. It's, it's intense. It's metal as fuck, and it's like, he produced that too. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, because he was like. Yeah, do it. I'll sign off on it. He's like, go for it. I don't care. (laughs) I wish I want you to make the movie I wish I could have made when I was 20. Or however old he was when he made that. He's like, yeah, we didn't have the budget for swimming pools full of blood. Yeah, we didn't We didn't have the ability to literally rain blood for we our final climax. We were already pretty much rated NC-17, and all of our effects were made of, like, jello. Yeah. <laughs> like, you vivisected a, a demon with a chainsaw yeah. and got an R rating and a wide release. You go, girls. Like, our, <laughs> like it's a mostly female cast, too, so it's like, mm-hmm. you guys fucking just go for Do it. Do what you want. <laughs> Uh, anyway, back to Darkman. Dark <laughs> Sorry, Sam Raimi is just amazing. I was like, we could go on a whole but, tangent. Yeah, but I think that, that speaks to, like, when you have someone like that behind this very specific, unique project, it's going to stand out, even if it's not very good. And I thought this movie was still pretty good. Yeah. Like, it's, um, again, the plot is nothing completely new, but... I think what made it cool, in addition to like the effects and, and how mm-hmm. it was acted, is just we didn't really know what we were getting into when we not started. at all. So, not but at like, all. so as we went through, I mean, like, I have like on my notes, I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, it's you know, like an ode to superhero noir meets universal monster horror, and later on, I'm like, has the same prototypical '80s bad guy corporations from RoboCop, and then I was like, um. Wait, he's just Moon Knight because he's also insane. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's like that episode of Invader Zim, Dark Harvest meets Frankenstein, or he's Hush from Batman meets the Phantom, meets the Phantom of the Opera and the Invisible Man, and also Doctor Octopus. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of similarities well, between I mean, him and I, yeah, Spider-Man Two's Doctor Octopus. The last thing I'll say about Raimi for a bit is uh, so obviously when he wants to go on to make the Spider-Man movies. He, I am now, it's a completely different movie for me. I mean, I'm sure more of our audience has seen Spider-Man 2 than Darkman. Yes. Um, but Dr. Octopus in that movie follows pretty much the exact same, like, trajectory mm-hmm. as uh, Peyton in this movie. At the beginning, at least. I mean, I'd say for most of it. It's just because the, the people that killed Peyton were bad guys i was like i think the difference here is that in dark man he has more obstacles and people to overcome whereas for dr it was just spider-man Spider-Man. yeah i mean sure sure. and i think that's but other than that i think i completely i mean down to like doc ock flees 
you know, uh, experiment gone wrong with these, you know, things now, sees himself as a monster, mm-hmm. walks around in a big trench coat and a hat. Um, the best way to hide yourself. Hides, yeah, in a in a weird laboratory That's and continues his research. Destroyed. Yeah, like, on, in, like, the weird, like, industrial, yeah, like, industrial waste areas. And the, you know, He's got that kind of scene, almost like in the Fantastic Four, where you know Ben goes to talk to his fiance, and he's like, "You're gonna hate the way I look," Mm -hmm. but you know, Ben just keeps lying to his wife. He's like, "No, no, no, I'm I'm fine." I'm like, "Dude, you're not gonna be able to keep this up. You are not fine. You you melt in the sun. (laughs) Like it's not gonna happen. Your teeth are out at all times." Yeah, and then I also had you know he's got that. I don't know the last time you watched the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. I've never seen it. Oh, that's right, you haven't seen those. Um, well, that effect is very similar. Although in the mummy, it's CGI. Okay. But for a while, he's regaining his like immortality mm-hmm. and he like sucks people's like life force away from them it's like li- again and just like hellraiser and in this too like yeah just little by little he heals back to like normal looking mm-hmm. and for a long time the only thing left is like weird splotches of skeleton on him that includes half of his like jaw oh so he had that like gnarly like skeleton like teeth like, like the two-faced thing from duck from dark yeah. Knight. So, you know what? I feel like a lot of movies got the effect down from from this and yeah, from Hellraiser. Yeah, off of these, yeah. And, I mean, good on them, because it, it's cool. It, it's oh, yeah. It's super awesome. And it, real-looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we can talk about Tony Gardner in a bit. About yeah. How great he is about that. But before we do that, I do want to talk about who's in this. Well, yeah, before we get into that, actually, I have a fun little tidbit I just found oh. uh, about the casting of the lead role for this movie. Was it going to be Johnny Depp? I swear to fucking no. God. <laughs> but um, Bill Paxton was almost cast in the role, Ooh. but when he was going to the audition, he told Liam Neeson about it, who also went... Dude, I am telling you, that and, is how people get movie roles. And I'm then, heard. when Neeson got the role... Paxton was so upset that he refused to talk to Neeson for months on end just because he got the role over Bill Paxton. Dude, I've told you many times about those, um, I think they're Vox or Vanity Fair uh, YouTube channel. They, um, they'll have this series where they take an actor through their whole career. I love those videos. They're so great. And for a lot of people, namely, like, James Marsden, who's, like, an Enchanted and X-Men and, mm-hmm. and um, something else that we just watched. Sonic. Sonic yeah, the Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Half the time, it's like, you know, I wasn't even, like, considered for that part. Or it was like, you, like, when in X-Men, he's like, I was, like, the third choice. Mm-hmm. And they, like, told me, like, we're, we think we're going to go for someone else. And then, like, four weeks passed, and, like, that actor couldn't do it, so they called James Marston. And that exact thing has happened no less than, like, half a dozen times in his career. (laughs) It's that, or, like, he went to a thing and was, like, you know, the directors didn't really like... Like, he was in Anchorman 2, Mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah, I went somewhere... You know, like, I, was, I wasn't, I was like, the person that they, like, wanted to have read, but, like, someone, like, my agent just got me, like, a reading. And, like, I just happened to be at a read, and Will Ferrell was there, and he, I was walking out, and, like, the actor who was actually reading for the part he got, mm-hmm. you know, was there. And uh, 
he's like, Will came up to me after and was like, you got it, man. Like, you're so funny. And he's like, and then I just saw the other actor just quietly leave because he's like, you've got oh it. Oh, my God. And I'm like, James Marston just fucking trips his way into success. <laughs> so, like, I, I just that. love, like, when actors are like, you know, I really, um, I didn't expect to get that. And yeah. then, like, just fucking some bullshit thing happened and boom, I, you know, like, I mean, like, it's, like, it's the opposite of how Marvel movies are where they just, like, breed yeah. actors to be these characters. It's like everyone else is like, yeah, um, well... I happened to run into Sam Raimi in the drive-through, and, he and was he's like, like "Hey, hey you want to be in a movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> so, so, um, so, so yeah, let's get into the cast. Yes, um, Liam Neeson. So we have Liam Neeson as um, Peyton. Are there is there people out there that don't know who Liam Neeson is? No one's gonna respond, but like, I, 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 don't I mean, Liam Neeson is—he's the guy from Taken. He's Qui Gon Jinn in Star Wars. He's the voice of Aslan in Narnia. Um, he's, he's in Love Actually. He's in Love Actually. I, I knew I was, I was gonna say it for you. That's the safe. <laughs> yeah, that's the safest bet always. Um, Francis, Francis McDormand is um, Julie Hastings. She looks so. She looks different. very different. Um, I don't know if a lot of people will know her. She's in a lot of like more hoity-toity type Oscar movies. She movie. just won the Oscar for Best Actress. Yeah, she just, yeah, she just won an Oscar for Nomadland. She's God in Good Omens. She's in a lot of uh, Wes Anderson stuff, like Isle of Dogs. She's in Hail Caesar, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and that's just the last four and years. And she was in Fargo for the most, I think. Yeah, Fargo, uh, Almost role. Famous, Moonrise Kingdom. She's a very good actress, um... She just looks super different because this movie was like this movie was thirty, like 30 years, years ago. ago. Um, this guy by the name of Colin Friels is uh, Louis Strack, and uh, fun fact about him is he is in a movie called Dark City, which is directed by the same man. Uh, his name is Alex, Alex Proyas, who directed The Crow. So just super link up, and um, Larry Drake, who's uh, Robert Duran, he's um, he's done a lot of voiceover stuff. He's passed away now. Okay. Um, but one of the things he voiced over was in Batman Beyond, which is written by one of the people that wrote The Crow. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's also um, the narrator uh, in Johnny Bravo, which I thought was super really? fun because I I loved Johnny Bravo growing up. Uh, and he, he's like the, I don't know if you've ever seen Johnny Bravo, but like he's the announcer, like the narrator mm-hmm. like of the show. Yes. Johnny Bravo rules. Um, oh, and he was in Firefly. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple people in this, in this movie also that have, that have recently, that have since passed away like in the last three or four years. Um, Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, who's uh, one of just like the accomplices. I think he's the dude that... Uh, he, uh, he he's at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. But this is he's in a movie called Prince of Darkness, which is a John Carpenter movie Ooh. that we will get to one day. Yeah. He was on Boys in the Hood, and uh, he 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 passed away in 2019. He was also in the that weird like Swamp Thing. Oh, the TV series. Yeah, but from like the 90s. Oh. Like there was a Swamp Thing series in the 90s, the same year as as Dark Man. Um, and then uh, Dan Hicks, who he. I call them discount uh, Bruce Willis because he looks a lot like Bruce Willis from Die Hard. He's he a little does. bit chunkier because he's shaved his head. Mm-hmm. Um, for those people that know Evil Dead, he's Jake in Evil Dead 2, who's like the mechanic dude that yeah. they have come in and help him. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, because it's a Sam Raimi movie, he puts his brothers in everything. Yes. Namely, his brother Ted, 
who, if you've seen the Spider-Man movies, he's the dude that, like, Jameson always yells at. Like, that, like, nerdy dude in the glasses. He's also, um... Uh, apparently he was in Twin Peaks, and, like, he's in Creep Show now. Like, he's still working Ooh, a lot. Wow. Um, but, uh, he, he's, um... In the first, I believe the first Evil Dead, the, like, Deadite version of uh, his sister who's, like, in the crawl space, he's that. Yes. And, like, there's all these stories about, like, how he'd sweat so much in that suit that, like, they would pour sweat out of it, like, in, like, a I water bottle. I can It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy at the beginning. He's, like, the urban legend that he gets, and he gets murdered in it. Uh, yeah, so... Of, of those people, it, it's just, like, a strange grab bag of, like, S- Sam Raimi alums and people from your childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then Francis McDar- McDarmon, who I'm like, how did you get this? Like, yeah. This was before Fargo, too, right? Yeah. So, like, she wasn't, like, you know, catapulted to crazy, you know, stardom just yet. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. Also, there's two sequels to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Sam, that 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 uh, Liam Neeson is not in. No, he is not whatsoever. There's I also, don't even think Sam Raimi was involved at that point. He may have like just produced it or been like he like had writing credits. Yeah, I think he just had writing credits. For like Lee Winnell with the rest of the Insidious movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of that, I'm gonna get into some of the notes I have. Um, the movie is weird. Yes. Sam Raimi has a weird taste. And I think it's it's funny because he mixes the bizarre to the point where it's, like, kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole beginning scene is just, like, a scene from the Warriors. Like, it's all yeah. those dudes rolling up, and there's that guy who's, like, you know, like, he's checking up for weapons, and he's like, oh, this guy's, like... Oh, I, I am missing There's a leg. It's my wooden leg. There's people with nunchucks there, too. I'm like, what the fuck just, is this? But, like, there's a dude with a wooden leg, and they're like, oh, you know, like, what's wrong with your leg? He's like, I lost my leg. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I uh, was engaged to a woman with a wooden leg. He's like, yeah, what happened to her? Oh, I had to break it off. <laughs> but, um, because wooden, wooden leg. Anyway, so the wooden leg is a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that just kicks off the fucking movie. <laughs> well, yeah, you you see this all happen right before the title card. Yeah. Before you know what is happening. And what I think is cool is the, like, main theme that plays over that, like, the opening credits is... I recognize it because, like, the radio station I used to listen to a lot when I was a kid, when they would, like, do, um... When they'd be, like, covering, like, some, like, crazy, like... Uh, like like a storm story or something like that. In the background, they played this music, and I never knew where it came from until literally an hour ago. Yeah. So that was cool. And I also was like, "This is definitely Danny Elfman." And then his and name and behold, popped, up. It popped up right. It's like the year after Batman. Batman. So it, it very much the whole music of the whole movie sounds it's... like. They could have been like. The it sounds like the demos yeah. from Batman. Yeah, which is cool because that soundtrack is very cool. Oh, and Danny Elfman great. is good shit. I say Danny Elfman is a fantastic composer. Yeah. I think the three things that like really stand out in this movie are just like the three genius minds that came together in Sam Raimi, uh, Danny Elfman, and Tony Gardner. Yes. Danny. Pontificate about Tony Gardner and his so, many accolades. Yes. So Tony Gardner is a well-renowned um, special effects and makeup artist who has worked on many different projects of varying degrees. Some of would surprise me. 
Like, um, one of his most well-known credits probably is when he did the makeup effects for um, Billy in Hocus Pocus. Yes. Which is such a cool effect. And um, for those who are familiar with the uh, Child's Play franchise, he was a special effects and animatronics operator for Seed of Chucky, as well as he was yeah, on screening all decapitated. Yeah, he played himself, yeah. and he got killed. Uh, and he's he's been doing <clears throat> such great work for so long. And in this movie, he ramps it up so much. I also just really quick want to say that he also uh, made the effects for the David Hasselhoff scenes in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. <laughs> yes, uh, he's and he did made the grandpa effects for the Jackass yeah. movies. Yeah, did he say he also did like aliens and? Yeah, yeah he's like, done a bunch. Like, he. Him and, um, God, his name I always forget. Like, his first credit was, that he's technically uncredited for, but the first thing he worked on was the music video to Michael Jackson's thriller. Yeah, that's, and then it was Return of the Living Dead was, like, yeah. his first big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn. Him and, um, I always forget his name, but he's, like, the dude that, like, invented effects for Friday the 13th. Oh, I know who you're talking about, the name I can't think of off the top of my head. It's Dave something. No, it's not. Um, I know him because of the little bit of his documentary that I watched. He was a uh, photographer in the Vietnam War, so everything that he made, he's like, this is how you make it real. And I'm like, fuck. Damn. Yeah, he, he, this guy that, that you're going to find in about five, four... Three, oh man, you're putting me Tom Savini. Tom Savini, thank you very much. Tom Savini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Tony Gardner, Tom Savini, like those are some of the big. And I'm gonna, I'm forgetting some obviously, but like the dude that we talked about, um, worked with David Cronenberg a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Guy, he, I mean, there's a like the people that work special effects in horror movies, especially the people that make things themselves. They're I feel like they're to be commended as well as the, the directors are. Just cause, oh, like, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's like you could have, like you could be Tom Holland, not the Spider-Man Tom Holland, but like the old man Tom Holland who wrote and directed Child's Play. Mm-hmm. It's like, or you could be, you know, Don Mancini. Yeah. It's like both of them are equally as responsible for making Chucky. A thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like, it's you know, and I would say like to the same effect of like you know, Friday the Thirteenth, such a cursed franchise, but like. The people that play Jason, like, they are the ones that made him. So, like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. all of these people that share, like, share parts main, of Yeah, it. and it's, it's cool that, you know, that's the way of, like, you know, if, if you're someone who wants to make an impact in, like, an arts capacity, even if you're, like, a costume designer or, like, or a composer, mm-hmm. like... John Carpenter just happens to be an awesome composer because mm-hmm. he wrote the Halloween music. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. even if he didn't, like, he still directed Halloween, but, like, yeah. whoever would have composed the theme, it's like, you made the Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. Um, who the fuck made the Jaws theme? Like, Jerry Goldsmith or something? Jaws? No, it was John Williams. John Williams. Yeah, like, John Williams made pretty much, like, every, like, you know, prolific soundtrack, like, ever. Yeah, all, all of the all iconic of soundtracks you can think of. Think of. Most of them, I should yeah. say. John Williams had a hand in life. Oh, yeah. Like, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Elf huge. Um, so many. I, I feel like he did. He said. He had some quote about. Hans Zimmer these days is. Hans Zimmer is, is, is one of my favorites. Uh, Danny Elfman had a quote somewhere. I don't remember what it was about or when it was. But someone 
was kind of like ripping on something he made and he's like i made the goddamn batman theme yeah. what do you got like he's like <laughs> you like if you do something like that like you have that forever yeah like even if you make something bad you're like i made the batman theme Wait, song. and like if anyone's ever like john williams you can't do anything he's like he's like really you want me to jaws, jaws star wars, star wars Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. <laughs> I don't know. other ones i'm sure um but I feel like, you know, just as good. I mean, again, this movie could have been a relatively, you know, mediocre, like, B to C list, like, horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the people involved made it so. And I feel like that comes across in Liam Neeson and Frances McDormand's, like, legitimately good emotional performances. performances. And at least the writing at the beginning is legitimately good. Like, I believe their chemistry, I believe their relationship, and throughout, I legitimately believe their emotional connection with each other. Yeah. I don't really get the bad guys at all, but those two, I, I absolutely... Thing are, are amazing. Well, and it's so interesting to watch um, Peyton's like transformation from the yeah. very beginning of the movie to his like, like mental de- degradation. Yeah, like the longer he's, that he's, the longer he's yeah. hiding himself away yeah. and trying to perfect these disguises. Yeah, like the Phantom of the Opera, the longer that he spends in isolation. I mean, he's also yeah, he's also like got. Getting powers yeah, from he's the leadership and academics. Like, his rage can spiral him into, like, fits of, you know, delusion. Super strength. And super strength. Uh, and apparently super jumping, I, I think. And he can't feel pain in his Yeah, he can't feel pain. Yeah, that we learn in a monologue while he's at the hospital from the nurse uh, from American Werewolf in London. Yes. Uh, whose name I just had during the movie, and I'm so fucking mad that I let go of it. Uh, Jenny Agutter, or, yeah, Agutter. Agutter. Um, she's the nurse in... Uh, in American Werewolf in London, she's the stepmother in Child's Play 2, to bring it back to that. And she's the uh, female member of the World Security Council, which is Soldier. Great, all leads great, back great, to great. that. Yeah, all I, back. yeah I, I heard it's good. <laughs> I heard it's pretty good. It's pretty decent. <laughs> Soldier is one of my favorite movies like of all time. So <laughs> it's just cool to be like, I was watching her, and I'm like... You were in an American werewolf in London. That means you were in Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, but yeah. But yeah, I think something else that's really interesting about Peyton is along with seeing his mental state degrading, you also get to see more and more of his, his like, de- de- deformities from the yeah. burning as it progresses. Like, at first he gets so, more, yeah. He's so um, intent on hiding himself away, but by the end he's willing to... to Bare yeah, his face yeah, and all the scars that come with it. Again, just like fucking so cool. Phantom of the Opera, where once he's embraced the the uglier side of him, he doesn't wear his mask anymore. Yeah, yeah. everything leads back to Dark Man, <laughs> and how well, how it's so obviously a universal monster movie set to the backdrop of RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a quick more thing about Peyton is that he's a like just what his deal is. He's uh, a, a biologist who's studying the, like you said, the, the creation skin. of synthetic skin, which is great because, like, they are setting up how he's able to do all of this and before and during. Yeah, 
where it's like you know what I'm sure like Morbius will kind of be about, where it's like a doctor that already specializes in like blood disorders contracts a blood, a blood disorder. Well, I think it's like flipped because he gets into it because he's got one, mm-hmm. but like it's the same sort of thing where yeah, you you become an expert on the thing that's fucking with you. So that you can improve that thing. Yeah. Um, like how, like how going back to Spider-Man, like how Kurt Connors is focusing on. I was gonna say so many Marvel villains are like that. Where Beast in X-Men, yeah. or yeah, like the Lizard, Doctor Connors. Um, I think there was another one too. Yeah, like the Spider-Man video game, Doctor Octopus is one yeah, of yeah. like He's got MS or something. Yeah, he's got some kind of, kind of muscle disorder that's causing him to start to lose his. his um, what are, what are muscles? What are, what are arms or legs called? Uh, uh, appendages. Limbs? <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, you know, that stuff. Uh, or, you know, to go to Batman, Man Bat, who's losing his hearing, and he says, well, I could splice my DNA with a bat, and turns him into a bat. We could name supervillains all day, all day long. Because a great motivation, and I think superhero comics learn from Universal Monster movies, is, I mean, it's a whole archetypal thing, where... Monsters are relatable if they have a humanity to them. Yeah. Especially men who become monsters. <laughs> because in, in their, you know, either hubris or in their desperation or in their, you know, any degree of motivation, they they lose their humanity more and more and more to the point that they, they become, they become something, something else. else. Uh, like, um... It's not, Resident Evil's not really a good example, but, like, um, upgrade, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the more and more you upgrade yourself, there's... The less you and less lose that humanity to the point where you have a legitimate, like, emotional disparity between you and your fellow man. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's the mental problems that he contracted for being dipped in a vat of acid and exploded four yeah, times. Yeah. Uh, it's that along with he's assuming all of these identities. Yeah, to bring it back to the comics, he's very much like Hush on Batman, where he's using these skins to become someone else in order to mess with their lives. Which is terrifying because, or like Chameleon in Spider-Man. Yeah. Holy shit! Everything fucking comes back to this. <laughs> it's almost like superheroes have been around for literally centuries, and ripping on them now is just shitty, because you'd have no legitimate argument for it, because they've been around for centuries. Um, but, like, there's all this precedent, and even though it, it, it has all of these um, ties to all these other things, this feels like a fresh entry into that. Yeah. Like, there's legitimate, legitimate reasons for seeing this movie. Ba- I mean, again, aside from how awesome the makeup effects are, and it's cool to see Liam Neeson in something, but just the the way that the the way you follow Peyton's descent, you you constantly feel bad for him, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But you also constantly want him to like fix himself. Yeah. Like if he fixed himself, there wouldn't be a movie. Mm-hmm. But like you still want him to like be able to find the cure. Well, like, the moments he has when he has his own face reconstructed yeah. and he spends time with his girlfriend again, it feels heart-wrenching because you know that he can't keep that up. Well, and she's like, she would be supportive of him because she clearly loves him, but he doesn't feel like... But he can't get over his own hubris about it. And there's a... 
every single time that he's gonna tell her, like, especially like, when they're at that carnival, he's reminded how fucking horrible he looks. And how other people and how other could people react. react. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to bring it to another Sam Raimi thing, but Sam Raimi also made Oz the Great and Powerful, and that was, like, the entirety for why the Wicked Witch of the West was evil, is oh, that right. they were like, it's an image thing that she thought was a problem because she's inherently shitty mm -hmm. to other people, so she just assumes that that is an issue. She also um, banged James Franco, and he left her, so she's kind of pissed about that. <laughs> Have you seen that movie before? I saw it back when it came out, I haven't thought of it. I kind of want to rewatch it because of Sam Raimi, just because now I know like all of his buddies that are yeah. in it, because I'm sure Bruce Campbell's in it somewhere. Yeah. Well, and because it's James Franco and Michelle Williams and yeah, and Mila Kunis. I'm like, Sam Raimi. Like, you just I love that he yeah. just makes shit. Yeah. Like this, like with Darkman, he just made a thing that he wanted to make. That he wanted to make it. It it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Like he made Evil Dead for like no money because he wanted to make it. And yeah. Everyone said no, and he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. I'll myself. fund it. I'll put it in theaters, and then it, it worked. And then you and know, then you know, people were like, hey. You want some money to make the exact same movie? And he's like, yeah, I'll waste your money making the exact same fucking thing I already made. That's like, again, I feel like, um, I, I, I don't know anything about the sequels of Darkman, but I feel like it's probably the same thing. I can't imagine it being anything else. And, and like Robocop, it's just the same movie, but you already know how it goes, how it goes so it's just boring. <laughs> And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure both sure of those sequels were directed to video. video. They were. <laughs> which, which it's a good sign. It's an absolutely awesome show. Kind of like these, all the sequels of The Crow, I think, were directed to video. Um, there's a couple more things I wanted to touch on. Uh, actually, I don't think I have a whole lot left aside. It's just all of, like, me making connections to other shit. Because I think that's what a good movie does, like, especially if, you know, because he's... Like, it's, yeah, especially when that's the goal. goal. This was a yeah, it, it's a goal, but also, like, you can see, even if this wasn't a clear homage, like, it's like a Tarantino thing where, like, Tarantino is a huge, like, film fan. So he'll just make a bunch of, like, homages and references and, like, to the point where he'll just rip scenes from other movies and make them himself. Yeah. So. I think, it, especially if you are familiar with that, and you can make those type of connections, and, like, not well-read, but, well, like, well-watched, mm -hmm. like, you'll appreciate this a lot more, just because you, you know, you could be a fan of the Universal horror movies, and you could like it. You could be a fan of Sam Raimi, and you'll like it. You could, mm -hmm. like, Robocop, and, you know, all the other, like, 80s... Whole, like, like yeah, 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 I mean, there's so many gateways for this... Like, uh, so many roads lead to Darkman, yeah, in a way. And, and it's it's also just got this, like, weird, like, goofy... Like, Raimi's kind of got this, um... Oh, fuck, I forgot his name. The guy that makes that made Twin Peaks. Uh... He's also got, like, a weird sort of, like, sense of humor and, like, sense of, like, weirdness. And, like, you can... If you can appreciate... David Lynch. David Lynch. Um, they just do, like, him and Raimi do a lot of, like, weird kind of visual things and, like, referential things and, like, jokes are odd. And, like, they're in weird places. Um, but it's, 
it's part of their vision and it, it's not like even if it doesn't really make sense to you you can recognize it yeah, yeah. and you can appreciate like i get the vibe of this movie as like a weird just twisted like superhero like noir fantasy thing <laughs> but what if that person was the fan of the opera yeah yeah <laughs> So this episode's been a lot of references, because that's kind of what this movie was. Yeah, it really is. So if you like any of the things that we referenced over the course of this episode, you'll probably like Darkman. For sure. Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot left with this. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun time. It truly was a fun time. And I think my biggest enjoyment out of it was the captivating story of Peyton and seeing those practical effects. Yeah, yeah. It's weird seeing Liam Neeson look like, um, Uncle Frank from Hellraiser for the whole movie. It's just like... Did he? I mean, this was like when he was like selling himself on how handsome he was, and they're like, "Fuck all that! You're gonna wear, you're gonna look horrible." Gonna look and he's like, "I love it." He said, he said "Cool." Yeah, it's like I want to look terrifying, and they're like, "We can do that for you, Liam." And then three years later, he got Schindler's List. Yeah, and like cool. Yeah, so um, we have recorded two episodes today. Yeah, next week so... we have to which will end our action horror run. Yeah, well, sort of, because we'll have two bonus episodes about it. <laughs> it'll end our official action yeah. horror run. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll, it'll, they'll have a little bit of uh, a resurrection of, of a little bit before we just before we plunge into Saw. Into playing a few games. Well, we're going to play one game that's going to last us the whole fucking summer. <laughs> And especially if it's the fucking PS3 game, because that's taking us forever. That might as well have taken us eight months. That I would have lost. I would have been like, no, I gave up. I give up. Is that, a, is that an option, John? All right, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. And make sure to I'm follow us on Spotify. I'm, I'm sure there's people that are following us or that are like listening that aren't followed. Follow us. Hit follow on Spotify, please, if you would be so kind. And until next time, you stay sticky out there.